Hi guys, it's Josh Rubin here in New York with Douglas Elliman with our latest edition of the Rubin Special with my friend Joy Metalios of Fairfield County, Connecticut. Joy, how's it going on this beautiful day in Fairfield? It's going great. How are you, Josh? It's a beautiful day because it's your birthday. It is. Happy no, birthday. Josh, it's your birthday. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you one thing about my birthday that I always love, Joy, is that 99% of the time it's beautiful weather outside. And I have a stunning uh, sort of Japanese maple tree outside that flowers around this time and it has beautiful white flowers on it. So that's really the best birthday I could ever hope for. Uh, so oh, I'm wow. quite happy. Wait, okay, Josh, I'm getting background. You have to help me out here on this. That's okay. You're, you're, you're doing well on Instagram yeah, there. Okay. All right, good. Yeah, I just wasn't sure when you were hearing that. You, sound, are, so. you are in there. So, Joy, awesome. we have a lot to celebrate because not only are we coming out of this pandemic, right, but, you know, Connecticut has never been busier. And for the last, I'd say, three to five years, I've been talking to friends like you about the the market in Greenwich, uh, in, the market in Westport, uh, yeah. Stanford, and it's really suffered the last few years. So tell us a little bit about your experience, specifically within the last, you know, three to five years, people paid prices that they couldn't get out. And now there's yeah. a lot of demand and a, and a lot of people interested in those communities. Yeah. So it's been a buyer's market for a while, for a few years um, in Greenwich in all different price points. Obviously, the lower price point, you know, obviously the, the lower that the price point is, there's more buyers that can afford that. But sure. in our luxury market over $5 million and up, it's been slow. And specifically, it's been really slow in areas that are um, in back, what we consider backcountry. So yeah. those are like four acre zones, you know, horse farms. And it, it's just been something that's, you know, everybody, the trend has been where everybody wants to be closer to town so that they can walk to school, get on the train you know, Metro North, it's a quick shot into Grand Central Station. And uh, yeah, now now people are kind of like, you know what, I, I don't mind the space. I don't mind having the nature and having acres of land. Um, huh. And I'll drive 15 minutes to get groceries. So we, um, it's the, the shift has turned quite a bit. Um, now yeah. in that country, we tend to have very large homes. So we're talking there's 10, 20,000 square foot homes on large lots. Um, wow. And so those and what, homes... And what's, the, what, what's the price point of those homes? Gosh, they, they go all the way up to like 30, 30 million. Uh, but, you know, it, the problem was, Josh, is that a lot of those homes, that, that used to be the trend a while ago where everybody, the baby boomers, wanted these massive houses and they decorated them and they, they brought in designers and, um, and they were big, beautiful, eight, 10 beds. <laughs> bathroom homes right um and now they're dated so anyone that comes to look at those houses are like oh my god it's a massive house it's a lot of cleaning and we have to renovate the whole thing um so it, it it's not what people are looking for and so that's why the, the smaller home which is closer to town has always been the trend but again we're seeing very quickly things have changed so there's, yeah. there's definitely more of a trend toward the space now. It sort of went away from the space where people didn't want the maintenance, the taxes, the acreage. They wanted something a little bit more compact and manageable. And now, just in the last couple of months, you're seeing greater interest in those properties of significant size. Yeah. So, and, and it's, it's more so in that area of what we call backcountry, where it's just further away from town. So we're seeing that people are interested in seeing those properties because they're still thinking that, 
they're going to go back to New York. They're like, you know what? We'll we'll buy a house in backcountry because that part of our town um, has been very much a buyer's market for a while. And they're like, you know, maybe we can scoop something up and have a vacation home and still make New York City our main, our primary residence. And then when schools open up again, then we will, you know, just drive our kids into the city from, from, from there. And if this were to happen again, that they'll have a place to escape to very easily. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and so you said that those, those homes are you know, 10 or more million dollars. Is that right? No, they, they, they range. I mean, so what's interesting about Greenwich is for the same a million and a half or $2 million, you can get say 0.3 of an acre in a community like Riverside or Greenwich where the houses are closer together and it's it, kids ride their bikes and people live in those communities so that they can go to the beach and have their kids, you know, play ball in the middle of the street, or you could have four acres in backcountry or eight acres where there's a lot of land and privacy. So it's, wow. it's interesting that um, we have so, such a diversity of property. Uh, we have 11 different elementary zones wow. so, for schools. So it's a very large community. And um, yeah, so that's... And, you know. and so with those elementary schools, I would assume that some are better than others, or is it the same administration and the same curriculum throughout? Yeah, so the beauty about Greenwich is is that we have a very strong uh, uh, public school system, and at the same time, we also have lots of uh, uh, private school options. Um, so, you know, it really, again, depends on, on what you're looking for. In the areas like Old Greenwich, Riverside, it's great because the kids can walk to school, whereas other areas, then they'll be bused to school. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you wind up in Greenwich? It seems, you know, you know, you have this yeah. girl, you, you, I mean, you, you grew up in New Jersey, but then somehow here you are in, in yeah. County Jersey girl. So, um, <laughs> well, I went to Columbia and so I, I was with Douglas Elliman for many years, uh-huh. Upper West Side. Um, my first year I sold gosh, 22 studios co-ops wow. that nobody wanted to touch. Right. <laughs> uh, all the senior brokers are like, yeah, give it to this little girl. She'll run around with these studio buyers and do these board packages. Um, and then I went up to Westchester County. We lived in Larchmont for a while. And we, um, we loved Larchmont. It was a great commute for my husband, but the taxes, the taxes were really high. And I met someone at a cocktail party. He said, Oh, I, I live in Greenwich. She lived in Costco, which is a section of Greenwich. And uh-huh. she's like, my taxes are $5,000 a year. And I was like, that's impossible. There's no way. <laughs> Cause we were paying 35 in Larchmont for a little yeah. postage stamp. Right. And sure enough, I, I came home and I started looking at real estate and I was like, oh my gosh, we could move to Greenwich. And that's how it all happened. Yeah. So it was really taxes that were the motivator for you to uh, to think about Fairfield County and Greenwich specifically. Yeah, it was the taxes and the land. I, I think once you cross the border into Connecticut from New York, it, we just have more property. Um, we would go to the Whole Foods in White Plains and you park in a in a parking lot that's like a department store parking lot you go around and around in a circle to go grocery shopping and yeah i'm from jersey and i'm used to more space and the greenwich whole foods is very nice you park you go, get your cart you go to the grocery store it's, it's just easier you know yeah so it's an easier uh, quality of life as well it is it is and you know it's been i've been working gosh 12 hour days for seven days a week for the last three weeks it is been like a flood of New Yorkers coming out 
to Greenwich and, and they're feeling like, wow, this is actually really nice, you know, and, and people are just driving around the neighborhoods, looking at all the trees and, um, we're getting a lot of buyers from, from your communities. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you finding that the people that you're in touch with are coming out there sort of, I've heard a lot of people looking for rentals and then when they're finding limited supply for the rentals, they're saying, you know, we've always toyed with the idea of buying a second home. So maybe this is really just that moment when we, when we finally take that plunge or are people actually moving their primary residence out to Greenwich? I think a lot of them are confused. So we're working with a lot of confused, <laughs> frantic, uh, and, and listen, I'm a New Yorker at heart, but they're also demanding. So, you know, you're used to the clientele um, and they, they don't know what they want to do. A lot of them have to make private school decisions. I've heard June 10th was one of the dates that one of my clients said the other day um, of whether they're going to make that deposit and have their kids go to private school in New York City or if they're going to move out here be it in a rental or, or if they purchase something so that they can start school in Greenwich. So, um, but they are very, very confused. And some people are waiting to hear from their employers, whether they're going to have that work from home option or not, and how many days that option will be. And I think that's really playing into a lot of people's decisions as well. Um, as well, some of them have co-ops to sell and they're a little concerned that they're not going to be able to sell them quickly because from my understanding, you can't even get in to sell them for, for some people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're already seeing some evidence of pent up demand because what, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had a very honest conversation with our clients when this first started to happen. It was really the, uh, the week of March 16th, you know, it was March 13th when things went sort of little sideways and it became clear that we weren't going to be leaving our houses anytime soon. And because of that, I called all my clients that week of Monday, March 16th. And I said, Hey, you know, it's clear to all of us what the situation is. We're not going to be able to leave our homes, let alone show yours. Uh, So it's really up to you. Do you want to leave your home active and on the market? And people will be looking online now more than ever, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. for various reasons, whether it's finding flaws in their own home or, you know, Hey, I'm renting my leases up. I need to, you know, finally make that plunge and make the first time purchase it, you know, from my studio or one bedroom rental into a one, one or two bedroom purchase. Um, And so some people came off the market. Fair enough. And then others actually, uh, interestingly, decided to stay on the market. And those that decided to stay on the market, we actually saw an increase in inquiries over the course of the last few weeks. And so with those uh, came offers. One in particular we listed about three weeks ago, and it was a six-floor walk-up that I had on the market last spring. Uh, got offers that were sort of, you know, typical five to eight, maybe 10% below the asking price. Buyers were expecting some negotiation. And the seller said, look, I'm only interested in selling at my asking price. So last year at this time, we didn't get their asking price. Right. And then they took it off the market, found a new home to move to that they didn't need to uh, sell the first one in order to buy the, the new one. And then we relisted it. And we got 100% of our asking price. Why? because there's nothing else available. So the buyers are yeah. looking around and saying, hey, I need to move my leases up. What's available right now? And so they're saying, well, this is available and this works. We like it. It's charming. It's affordable. It's a convenient location, good condition. So we got 100% of, the, of our asking price. So yeah. a lot of sellers in the city are actually using this to their advantage and saying, hey, a lot of people are waiting for the sky to clear because there's this, a prevailing sense of uncertainty. So they don't want to list into what they feel is a soft market. So they're going right. to wait until September 
until the media is reporting on the incredibly busy summer we've had, and they're going to miss out on that opportunity. So the people that, that you know, you and others are in touch with who are thinking about mm-hmm. selling in the city, I would say, you know, now is the time to put them in touch with Mr. Optimist, Josh Rubin, who's going to be able to sell their co-op. Lickety <laughs> yeah. split. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's interesting because the, 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 the buyers that we have out there right now are serious buyers. And because of the whole situation with COVID, we're not even letting them into the homes until we see a pre-qualification or proof of funds, one. Um, two, they have to sign a COVID agreement and, and, and they're ready to go. These are serious buyers. They are, they're not coming out here just for the heck of it. Um, which is, which is good for us. You know, we have very serious clients and the sellers are benefiting from it because, um, they, they're selling. And we, the same thing with us, we were able to get full price offers on, on two listings that we listed this past weekend. Wow, that's great. So the market is super active out there as well, which is awesome. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm doing, Joy, is talking to to you know friends of, of mine and ours like like you, yeah, right, uh-huh. in these other markets, and it's enabling us to really get a sense of what the market is truly like without operating in the vacuum that is New York City. Whereas you pointed out a minute ago, we can't get into these homes. We can't get right. into buildings. A lot of buildings are restricting access. They're not permitting people to you know get food deliveries. They're not allowing them to get uh, grocery deliveries, dog walkers. They have to make arrangements to come down to the front of the building to meet people. So it's, it's super challenging. But you know the other thing that I'm doing is I'm speaking to attorneys who do mm-hmm. a lot of volume, right? And so uh, the attorneys are people who are no, they're they're being told about deals being done because they have to do due diligence and or prepare contracts and hold escrow deposits because right. New York City is really an attorney market where attorneys are involved more so yeah. than other. We are too. Where, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so these attorneys are telling me that you know they're super busy. And so yeah. you know I just I just spoke to Sandy Krause. Uh, who's an attorney that does a lot of our work. And he was like, oh my God, I mean, the volume of work has picked up tremendously just in the last week to 10 days, which is, which is super interesting. And I think it's a great leading indicator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. We've been, like, like I said, it's seven days a week. I've been working 12 hour days and it's, it's tough. I don't know if you're finding the same thing that when you're working from home, it's, easy to work all day all night it's like it, it will be midnight and i'm doing cmas for buyer or seller and i'm like oh my god i gotta keep my eyes open and it's but it we're so busy and and, and like i said it, it we kind of have to catch this wave right now because there seems to be an urgency of people wanting to make decisions right now yeah, yeah. and and you more than most would know what it is to you know not have that urgency right i mean you came out of you know 2018 2019 where it was like huh we're just kind of trudging along getting through this and then all of a sudden you know the the pandemic happened and people were like hey house and property and acreage plus low taxes i'm there yeah yeah i actually um i just listed a house for 6.1 million and uh it's it's beautiful with a pool which is what everybody in new york seems to want as well (laughs) and the owner was willing to sell it turnkey with with everything dishes you know it's the second home for him uh and we got three offers like that it was just and they were all cash and they were all like we can close asap 
Uh, because well, we actually have million dollars. Just walk us through this, Joy. And I yeah. would encourage you to like, you know, just include a link after the show to that listing so that people can reference it. Yeah. But, but it's gone. But, <laughs> no, I, I know, but it's just a point <laughs> yeah. of reference, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it's all no, about yeah. educating our viewers. Yeah. $6.1 million gets you turnkey pool. Uh, what's the interior square footage in the acreage? Yeah. So the interior square footage was about 7,000 square feet, five bedrooms, um, seven baths, sauna, a crazy um, like wine room, um, really nice lower level with, you know, multiple fireplaces, home office, which everybody seems to want these days as well. Three car garage, which is unusual in Riverside. So this is a part of Greenwich. Um, and then at the end of the street, it's a, it's a private cul-de-sac is, is water access. So you can drop a kayak, go wow. paddle boarding um, and, and, and wave to the New York city skyline. It's the good life. <laughs> That's great. And so the water access is into the sound? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. so and so the 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 offers that came in, I mean, how did you handle it? Did you did you just select the most qualified? Did you go to second round or best and final? What what'd you do? So we 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 did go to best and final and and because the owner was willing to sell it as is, we we actually threw in the Porsche. <laughs> Wow. I was in the garage. Yeah, it was an interesting deal. I was like, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to be is a used car salesperson, but it was no. it was a lightly used Porsche. So yeah. Okay. Uh, but we, so, you know, we're just trying to be creative with everything that we're doing. It's kind of like we're we're doing these virtual open houses and and all the other Greenwich workers are like, Joy, how are you doing a virtual open house? But they're they're effective. It's it's a way that you know you and I it's using a lot of video, trying to be creative to service our clients. Yeah. yeah. And so in the virtual open house, I mean, I've spoken to our colleagues around the country. Yeah. Everybody seems to be handling handling it a little bit differently. So are you or a colleague in the house? Are you using uh, a pre-recorded video? Are you using a virtual tour and you're actually in the comfort of your office or home? And, you know, how are yeah. you advertising it? So we're advertising on Zillow because we're, we're able to do that. I know you guys are street easy and a whole, you know, other thing in Manhattan. Uh, but we, we, uh, put a Zoom link on Zillow, and then we have a pre-recorded um, video. We also do 3D. So I bought that whatever um, that Rico beta Rico. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's great because then you can really pause it and say, "Do you have any questions here?" I, I just want to point out that right here is where there's a beautiful view, south facing. You know, you can say, "This is a double sub zero with refrigerator drawers." Whatever it is, um, yeah. and it's and people really appreciate that, and they can ask questions along the way. That's cool. But, you know, there's but a lot, I know there's a other lot of, people. Yeah. Other people have been taking appointments, which is another way to do it on Calendly. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, there's a lot of innovations that are coming out of this experience. And, you know, the, the virtual open house tour is, you know, is, is one of them. Right. And, and so we're having a lot of people that are, you know, being able to see these homes without ever leaving the comfort of their own home. And it's also more convenient for our sellers too, because sellers are very apprehensive about strangers coming into their homes and touching things. And, you know, this eliminates all that foot traffic. And I know a lot of our colleagues have actually done deals virtually. The people are not yeah. even setting foot in the home. They're just saying, you know what, I'll see it at the inspection. Yeah. You know, Josh, initially it was really tough for us. To, we, we were getting a lot of phone calls, like I'm sure you are, and, and talking a lot all day, all day to people. Um, and a lot of the New York City people were like, we really want to come out, but 
it's a big effort to get a car to wipe it all down. You don't know who brought it out of the garage. You know, it's, it's a whole process driving with the windows open <laughs> to try to find a house in Greenwich. You know, it's, yeah. it's a whole process. Um, but I think things are easing up a little bit right now. I'm really, um, I'm, I'm sad to see what's going on in New York right now with, you know, the George Floyd, you know, it's, it's a friend of mine, um, has a store on in union square and he posted pictures. His, his store was all the windows were smashed. They took all of his inventory. It's just, wow. it's kind of like a, I think it's tough times right now. Um, and yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Wh- wh- which store is it? Cause my office is Rothman's. Uh, right there. Yeah. Rothman's. Yeah, right yeah. on park Avenue there and uh, 18th street. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and he had such a good attitude about it. He's like, I, I understand the violence. I understand that, you know, these voices need to be heard. Um, and we'll get through this, you know, like all New Yorkers do, like everybody always overcomes and New York will come back. I mean, I, you know, we've always wanted to go back to New York, get a pied a tear. And I think it's, it's, it's going to be a good time to buy soon. Yeah, I have no doubt that there will be opportunities here over the course of the next six to 12 months. It'll all, you know, boil down to, you know, how the equity market handles the upcoming elections and, you know, yeah. the uncertainty that is sure to follow. But, you know, I have I have greater confidence in New York than I have in the last three to five years. And and I got to tell you, ever since the, the Great Recession, I've I've felt like, oh, boy, this is this is like, you know, getting a little too far ahead of itself. And I felt that way frankly, for the last seven or eight years. And I, I've been wrong. But, you know, now that we're in this situation and I see how, you know, not only the United States, but the housing market, the global economy uh, and, and uh, you know, the stock market is responding to it. I'm, I'm thinking, hey, you know what, if we can if we can sustain uh, a shock like this, then yeah. I, I think we'll be OK for the foreseeable future anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I hope you guys are able to get out there soon. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, Joy, you started. Did you start at Douglas Element? Is that where you actually started in the business? I did. I was in the Apple Bank building on Seventy Second yep. Street with Jeff Rossi and Kay Brover, actually, years ago. Yeah, um, and it was a great office and um, loved it. And and then moved out to Westchester, um, uh-huh. and then and then up to Greenwich. So yeah, it's yeah, it's, I, it's it, it's been a good ride. Yeah. I know some other colleagues of ours who have, who've done the same thing, you know, started out in the city and then, and then, you know, as they, you know, meet their significant other and start having kids, they, they move out to, uh, to, uh, Westchester, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they make that, that suburban migration, but they continue to work in the city. So what was it that, you know, you started your career here in the city, you moved to Westchester and then did you keep working in the city when you lived in Westchester or did you move your business up there? I did for a while just because I had some high profile profile clients that were worth coming into for, Uh but, um, you know, I have three kids. It's, it's, it's hard. So then I just, it it was easier. You know, there are different things from Manhattan selling, you know, we don't have to deal with board packages, but we have to deal with major inspections, septic, well water, everything else. Um, so we have other challenges, whereas, um, but I'm happy never to do a board package ever again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because we have a support staff on our team that handles nothing but the transaction coordination, right? From the pre-listing right. to the board packages to, you know, post-closing contacts and uh, any appointments that are needed with vendors, et cetera. We, we sort of handle it all. But, you know, the rare occasion that one or, one or more of those 
members of the support staff goes away and something yeah. pressing needs to be done with uh, a transaction and the agents are thrown into it. They're like, Oh my God. And they're, they're like head explodes and, you know, just trying to make, you know, 7,000 copies of a tax right. return or some absurd, you know, uh, aspect of it. Like, you know, it's just, it's just too much. And so, I'm surprised uh, that it's not electronic yet. Well, you know, that's, that's a, another one of the innovations yeah. that are coming out of this pandemic is, you know, things are going more digital, more electronic, but historically these buildings were just like, nope, we want to see the physical application. We want to kill, you know, an acre of trees in the process. <laughs> and, but now things are going more digital, you know, it's, it's a combination of DocuSign and uh, Dropbox. And so that's, that's right. a, a good, a good thing. So yeah. it's, it's unfortunate that this had to happen for, you know, us to get to this point, but at least we're there now. And I think it's going to be a good thing going forward. Um, right. And so, you know, tell us about your first deal, Joy. Do you remember that your very first deal in the business? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because my kids are asking me about this. My, um, my first, I did an open listing and I did a open house at 157 West 79th street. So that beautiful block, you know it well. And I know that building, it's an art deco building on the North side yep. with the arch. Sort of exactly. To the living room. Yeah. Yep. And it was a junior four. And um, from that open house, I, I kept doing open houses for this one listing. Um, gosh, I got all my first clients. And it's interesting because I've stayed in touch with those clients who have been, they bought in New York, I sold them in New York, and then they moved up to Westchester. Wow. And so then I, I helped them in Westchester. And I'm still friends with, with gosh, at least three of them from that initial open house. So incredible. that was, that was the start of, yeah, it was just really legwork, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and staying work. on top of it and, you know, maintaining contact with people, which I got to tell you, the more success that we have in this business, the busier we get and the yeah. easier it is to, you know, not do those basic and important things, right. Which is maintaining contact with your past clients, because these are people who know you, they yeah. trust you and, you know, they're going to stick by you as long as you stick by them. But like so many, uh, situations in life, it's very easy to lose touch with people, but that's one of the critical aspects to success in our business, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I think it's also really important to to listen to people. I took a, a New York City client out this weekend and she sent me an email and it was so sweet. She's like, I just wanted you to know that like, I felt like you really listened to us and you understood our needs which she's like, we were also shopping in, um, in, in Westchester, in New Jersey and Long Island. And they, and she said, we just felt like the broker wasn't really listening to what we really needed. Um, so I think that's important. Yeah. 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 And was there anything specific that you think, um, attributed to that or was it just maybe happenstance that the houses that they were looking for matched their needs better or, I mean, yeah. So, you, you know, it's interesting because I we do a 9 a.m. huddle with my team every morning. And I was telling my team this morning, um, we get these calls, random people on Zillow, and they call us and they're like, we're driving around in the neighborhood and we see that this house is on the market on Zillow. Can we get in now? And we're like, no, you know, and, and so, it, you know, it's how do you handle that type of phone call? And I was explaining to them that I, I got on the phone with this person and I explained to them that what would be more effective is if we have a consultation. I said, why don't we set up a Zoom call and we can set aside some time after the kids are sleeping. It's fine if it's nine o'clock at night so that I can really sit down with you and your husband and really understand what your your lifestyle priorities are. Like, do you need a home office? 
is it important that you have land or would you rather have community and walkability? There's so many things that go into a home purchase that are not just about, oh, this is a pretty kitchen. I want to move. I want to see the inside of this because I really think location, as you know, is number one. Um, and then just really helping people navigate because we, we are such a large community and we do, my team expands from Westchester all the way up to Westport. So there are there are different things about each community that are a little bit different and helping people understand that because we have so many New Yorkers that come up here and they're like, we really don't understand this. And, and, Oh, I had someone yesterday ask me, he's like, wait, um, because this is a shared driveway. He's like, will Amazon be able to find me? He was so nervous that Amazon <laughs> wouldn't be able to find his house. I was like, no, Amazon will find your house. Yeah. With the technology that they have available, they'll, they'll find where your house is and much more believe you me. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, Joy, because, you know, a lot of people get these calls, whether it's, you know, a sign call or follow up on an open house or a Zillow call. And they're basically just follow. They're just focused on uh, what the person wants. And and so many agents that I've interacted with are saying, right. OK, this person is calling on a uh, studio for four hundred thousand dollars. So they kind of have their mind made up as far as what the person is looking for and that they're looking for a studio for less than you know, $400,000, let's say. And really, if you get to know someone and what their needs are, um, right. that's going to take you a lot further. And a number of years ago, I got an internet lead to somebody who had signed up on the Element website, said that uh, I was their agent. And typically right. when that happens, it's usually a past client or a friend of mine, and they're really just doing it for informational purposes. And I kind of have a heads up in advance as, as to what they're doing and why. But in this case, I didn't know the person. And, and I had never heard their name before in my life. And I have a, almost like a photographic memory for names and connecting them to conversations and transactions, if any. And I didn't know this person. So I, I called them up and introduced myself. And she said that she was looking for a rental. Uh, and it, she wanted it furnished for the summer for her dogs. And so I put her in touch with uh, an agent on my team at the time, a guy named Daniel Blattman, who's, who's still in the business. And he's gone on to a su successful career um, at Tripleman, I think. And so oh, okay. Dan, uh -huh. Dan, Dan called her up. And uh, to Dan's credit, uh, got, a, got a better sense of, of you know, where she was coming from and what she was really tr trying to, to find. And she wanted a rental. Here's where Dan took it one step further. She was looking for a rental for the summer so that she could be here in the city on the ground in order to find a townhouse. Okay. Ah. So she went from a $10,000 a month short-term rental client to a townhouse buyer who could spend anywhere around $10 million. And again, because Dan at the time was new to the business, he had the time to look through all of those, what I call junk emails. And right. Ryan Serhant had sent out an email about a townhouse that a seller of his had listed with him for you know a very long time. And Ryan had started off at 15 million and then reduced it to 13. Ryan sent out this email to the entire brokerage community saying, hey, my seller says he wants it sold this weekend. He'll consider any offer over $8 million, which at the time was a screaming deal. Right. A mint condition, newly renovated townhouse with an elevator. And Dan was speaking to this client and said, well, you'll never believe it, but I just got this email that this $13 million townhouse can be yours for any offer over $8 million. So she was living down South at the time. And she said, wow, that sounds really compelling. She said, I'm going to get on my plane tomorrow with my pilot and fly up to New York so we can see that. <laughs> and she did. And Dan took her out, showed her five or six different townhouses. And right. she, brought up, 
purchasing one of those for, I believe it was uh, nine and a half million dollars. So uh, if you just know what to say and how to say it, and yeah. you're, as, as you said, a good listener, then you're going to go a lot further than just assuming that that, that $400,000 studio client is just that. It's not just about the, the studio, right? Yeah. It's about, it's about you know, the, the network of people that is behind that, that initial purchase. Right. I, I completely agree. And, and to that point, I, I always tell my team like to treat every single person that calls you like it's your favorite aunt because you just, you never know where that's going to lead to. Um, you know, we, I, I was helping someone with a $2,000 rental and she was so grateful that I took the time to talk to her and really understand her needs. And, and she's like, I've called lots of people and no one has ever followed up. Um, we ended up finding her something and she ended up being the housekeeper for someone very famous. Um, and it led to something else. So it, you just, you don't, you're not kind because you hope that there's something like that at the end of it. You're just kind because you're a human being and and you treat people with respect the way that, that you wish that everybody would be treated, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say, you know, to that point, treat every deal as if it's your last and you don't know when your next deal is going to come or if it's going to come. And then right. people will feel that it's kind of like, I believe it was, uh, is it Neiman Marcus, which has, which is known for its, you know, fantastic customer service. And, you know, they'll take anything back at any time for any reason. And they know exactly what, you know, what you said the last time you were in and, right. and what you're looking for and your, your entire purchase history. So they can kind of match you up. And it's really just about, you know, the, the customer experience at the end of the day and, and how to, how to speak to people um, and, and treating them like they're your family. Right. I spoke to somebody yesterday. I can't remember exactly who it was. Oh, Gregory Orenstein. He's my favorite interior designer and Ah. Gregory, you know, he, he is, he is so fantastic because, um, people, people, he's like very disalarming, right? You know, he's not sophisticated. He's not intimidating. He, Mm -hmm. He looks like just this cute grown up boy who's now okay. like 50 years old and he shows up with, you know, capri pants and like kind of like a whirling dervish, but he is a savant. <laughs> and I have um, referred okay. to, I, I've referred uh, Gregory to dozens of clients who have all loved working with him, but he's, he's just very dis, dis he's like disarming is what I'm trying to say. Like right. people are very at, at, at ease with him. And he said, you know, yeah. I said, you know, people don't realize how lucky they are to work with you because, you know, you care about them so much. And he said, right. you know, it's interesting that you say that, Josh, because, and, and you know, I treat people the same way. And he mm-hmm. said, because I, I work with people like they're my family, right? Yeah. If, if, that, if that woman was my mother or my sister or my aunt, you know, would I want her to have that sofa or this chair or that lamp? And I'm the same way with, with apartments. You know, I'm not just here to find you the first thing and move on with my life. I want to right. find you the, the right thing at the right time. And, you know, that's why you know, I've been as successful as I am because people know that if it's not the right offer or the right listing, I'm going to tell them, Hey, you know, here's the situation. And I know on the surface, it might look great, but you know, you need to think about three to five years and and how it's going to impact your life. Absolutely. And just going back to that, that buyer consultation thing that we were talking about, I was talking to someone the other day. And one of the questions that I always like to ask is how many years do you think you're going to be in this 
home? And, and their answer was like three to five years. And I was like, and their price point was, was varied. It was like either, um, two to 5 million. And I was like, listen, if you think you're going to be leaving in three years, I was like, we should be looking on the lower end of that spectrum. I was like, I'd love to sell you the $5 million house, but if you're going to call me up in two or three years and you're going to want your money back, I was like, chances are you're going to have a higher pool of buyers that are going to be able to afford the two and a half million dollar house than the $5 million house. So it let's, let's be smart about this. And they really appreciated that honesty, but again, it's, it's like making sure you understand all of their goals, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's important that you not only look at that as, you know, okay, you want to buy this apartment, but what is your long-term goal? And, you know, as you said, you know, how long do you actually see yourself staying here? Because, right. You know, if it's if it's a shorter time horizon, you might advise them one way, and if it's a longer time horizon, then you know it's another, right? Right. Well, you must yeah. get it all the time with these co-ops where people can't rent, right? It's it's yeah. like they, they have to really think about what what they're going to be doing here, whether it makes more sense if they think that they might move that they go into a condo. That's right, and so you know that, that's a good point because if people like you know Treasure Davis the other day. She's dealing with a lot of military people who, you know, her average customer stays in the home for, you know, two or three years, which is like overnight to me. But, yeah. you know, two or three years, I mean, to, to, buy a, to buy a co-op where you might not be able to rent it out, it's going to be tough. I was speaking to somebody yesterday who bought into a co-op two years ago, and mm -hmm. now he's thinking about selling uh, because he can't rent. In this co-op, you have right. to live in it for five years, and then you can rent it for three out of the next five. So right. that's a that's a long time, especially if you're buying a studio where you know you never know where your life is going to take you as a young professional. And his has taken him further north into New England. So you know, at the end of the day, he, he needed that flexibility that he didn't realize when he bought it because he was so enamored by the you know, the crazy architectural style and the great location that he forfeited the ability to sublet. And now his maintenance has creeped up on him. Um, uh. So that that's another consideration as well. Um, so. Joy, you told us about your first deal, but yeah. what's been your most challenging deal uh, over over your years in the business? Gosh, I think the most challenging deals are always the divorces, <laughs> uh, just because it's 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 tough. There's a lot of emotion going on, and you're really trying to make sure that you're. Um, it, it's almost like you know when, when we put together a deal it's, it's trying to put two people together. But when you have a divorce situation, then you really have to make sure there's like three or sometimes four people that are all on the same page to get to that ultimate goal of, of, of moving that property. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, bit like, it's a bit like herding cats, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I, I would say my, my most challenging deal, mm -hmm. um, was probably last year. Um, after about 24 years in the business and it was a referral. Um, and while I was grateful, uh, for the opportunity, I was representing a church and it was one of the more prominent churches in, in the, uh, in the city, um, wow. because they had bought it in 1954, uh, as their rectory. And when you think of a rectory, you think of maybe a beautiful stone building or cottage behind the church and, in reality, this was this was a prominent co-op in New York City, okay. and so they bought it in 1954. It had housed uh, four different rectors for this church over the ensuing years, and a past client of mine was on the finance committee of the church, and he realized that they were paying almost ten thousand dollars a month in maintenance, 
And the value of the apartment was, at the time, approximately $12 million. And so his idea was that they could sell this co-op for approximately $12 million. They could probably find a condominium, which was more convenient to the church, which is in Midtown. So Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a transient neighborhood. Uh, The co-op was on Park Avenue, so more more of a sort of prominent uh, upper uh, sort of more luxury market. Um, and so, uh, his idea was that he could sell, he could sell the co-op, get similar space closer to church for approximately half, and they could bank the difference. And that, that difference would yield enough to pay the monthly HOAs in the condominium. And of course, churches don't pay property taxes, right? Uh So they would only be paying the common charges and not the real estate tax component of their monthlies. Um, and so, you know, between banking the the equity and buying for less and the savings in the monthly payments, it would actually benefit the church in the long term. And so we took the listing. Uh, the market was sort of changing a little bit. Uh, a very similar apartment above this one had sold within the last six or nine months of listing this. That sold for $15 million. It was in much, much better condition and a higher floor. So we said, oh, you know, probably $12 million. Uh, but you know, most people who came to see this apartment felt as though it needed considerable amount of work. So, Mm. um, you know, we sort of adjusted along the way. Uh, we ultimately sold it for, um, just below $10 million. Uh, and the market has, has, um, uh, continued to change since then. And I should point out that this is one of the, um, sort of original co-ops of Park Avenue, uh, similar to 740 Park, where they don't permit any financing. Any financing. I was going to say. Any financing. I was like, it's going to be zero financing. And so it's difficult to find a buyer like that. You right. talk about pool of buyers. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, but they require the buyer to have a certain multiple of the purchase price and post-closing liquidity, right? So right. the apartment's $10 million. You can't finance, so you have to write a check for $10 million. And then they right. expect you to have at least $20 million left in post-closing liquidity. And so what, what really triggered the buyer to move forward was that the state uh, increased the uh, transfer tax and the mansion tax effective June 30th of 2019. So in other words, if you were not closed by June 30th of 2019, um, then you were liable to, to pay these increased transfer taxes, which were going to uh, start to ladder up the more that you're spending. So in other words, um, at $2 million, <coughs> you would you would then pay an additional <clears throat> 40 basis points, I believe it is. And once you get to $10 million, uh, your, what would have, what would have been <clears throat> 1% mansion tax became, I think, 3, 3% approximately. So it was essentially yeah. going to triple the mansion tax, which was 1%. So on a $10 million purchase, uh, you know, that would have been $100,000 going to $300,000. So the buyer right. said, you know what? We like this apartment. We're going to go to contract. And we're going to hope that we can close before June 30th. And surprisingly, you would have thought this very conservative building would have taken their sweet time and no way we would have been able to close by June 30th. But once we went to contract, the managing agent took over, the board took over, and they reviewed the application and met with the buyers. The fastest I've ever had any co-op transaction in my entire I'm sure you had something to do with pushing that along too, to make sure that it got done before June 30th. Well, I was praying to every God I knew, but aside from that, it was really, you know, out of my hand. Right. Uh, right. But we got we got very lucky, and both parties wound up 
in a very fortunate position. So, you know, I'm happy for my clients, the sellers, and I'm also thrilled for the buyers who, who should be wrapping up their renovations any day now. So wow. that, was, uh, that was one that we sort of got in just under the wire and uh, I'm grateful for. Yeah, we are. Um, we're raising our mansion tax July first of this year. So anything. So we're also staggered. So it's the first eight hundred thousand, and then up to two point five. Um, and actually, it's usually anything over eight hundred thousand is taxed at one point two five. But now, as of July first, anything over two and a half million is going to be taxed at two point two five. So wow. it is a huge incentive for these sellers of uh, you know a ten million dollar home to sell it before July first. So. Um, yeah. 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 And so on that the mansion tax or the transfer tax? So we we're calling it our mansion taxes. It's it's paid by the seller um and it's a transfer tax. Got it. So that yeah. was my next question as to who who traditionally pays it. And right. The seller who pays it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because we always have this cute little sheet that shows um, closing costs of New York versus Connecticut, and we're much cheaper. So. Even still, uh, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So, Joy, thanks so much for joining us oh today. You've been, you've been a real star for spending Thank time with you. us in your hectic schedule. Congratulations on the market up in Fairfield County picking up. Everybody, this has yeah. been Joy Metalios of Fairfield County, Connecticut. Joy, I'm going to include your contact details in the comments below. Oh, if, you wouldn't be mind just, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a link to your $6.1 million listing so people can reference that, that would be Absolutely. awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we hope to see you soon, okay? Yeah, and happy birthday. Oh, thanks so much, Joy. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>